Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello, and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And this evening, I have the pleasure and the honor of connecting with, being transparent with, and sharing our heart together with a good friend, Renee Chanel Fatah. I am so excited for this opportunity for us to unpack the flip side of adversity is faith. But let me tell you a little bit about Renee. Renee Chanel Fatah is a lawyer, a broadcast journalist, and a filmmaker, having recently made the documentary In Our Right Mind, Alzheimer's and Other Dementia's Impact on Communities of Color. Her film led to advocacy roles at the legal nonprofit Senior Law Center, and Renee is currently the executive director of Philadelphia Lawyers for Social Equity. She's also one of Philadelphia's best-known journalists, having served as the evening and weekday news co-anchor for NBC10 for almost 25 years. Some notable stories that she covered includes the O.J. Simpson trials, several political conventions, even the traumatic school shooting massacre in Littleton, Colorado, Colorado, which was her hometown. And in 2009, Renee was inducted into the Broadcast Pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame as a current member of the Advisory Council to the Hastings Center, a bioethics research center. Renee is an advocate. She is an active member within our communities. She speaks at local schools, church congregations, and civic organizations about law, health disparities, and ethics. So I'm excited to be able to talk about narrative and talk about story and the power of our stories. Welcome to the show, Renee. Oh, Virgil, it's so good to be with you and your listeners. And I mean, I'm the one who feels honored. I have watched you over these years and this journey that you've been on. You are such an amazing leader, educator, consultant, woman of God. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just so excited. And, you know, I, I buried the lead. I should have put it at the top. Very dear, good friend. So it's just, it's so so wonderful to be to be with you like this. I mean, you know, this is sort of how we operate these days virtually. So until you and I can get together, this this is just wonderful. I I can't think of a better way to start 2022 than being with you. So thank you, Deirdre. And again, I'm oh. so proud of you and all all that you're doing for so many. You know, those words mean a great deal um, coming from you. Uh, I have. Um, felt this kinship in um, the ability to not only be in awe of your career, but also you as a woman who um, so humbly connects and has um, 
just spoken into my life. So thank you for that. And I want to jump into our conversation because we give every one of our co-hosts the opportunity to pick the title for their episode. And you chose the flip side of adversity is faith. Can you tell me what prompted you to create that title for this conversation? Um, thank you, Vandra. Um, You know, it's, well, it's one, it's interesting because when you, you told me that I would be able to do that and, you know, faith spoke to me right away. And then I, you know, gave it a few days and I was like, no, that's exactly, you know, what, what I want to talk about because it, it, it resonated with me. So, but then I looked at your website and then I look at your mission and sort of like right there on top of all the, or underneath holding up all those pillars is faith. So, you know, there's, for, for a host of reasons without even realizing it, you know, this, this, this made sense. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting because when you say faith, I think people automatically go to the spiritual, to the religious. And that certainly, certainly is a part of it. I mean, I don't necessarily, I'm not someone who is in church every Sunday, but I very much believe in the power of prayer and God's ability to sort of take us where we're supposed to go. So I am, my faith has sustained me and gotten me through. Um, and uh, just a, a story that I don't think I've had an opportunity to share with you, but you know, I guess about six years ago now, when I, you know, our family was going through just some, some real challenges and some real loss and some real pain. And it was in really the first months of it you reached out to me. This was in 2015 when Patricia Schreier's movie, The War Room, had just come out. And you were one of those people who, you know, I didn't necessarily expect to hear from, but you reached out and you said, Renee, come to this. And it was a gathering of women and it was so supportive. And the movie, and I think the, I, I, I'm sure the audience is, is, is familiar with it, but you know, it's a movie about a family that on the surface, it seems like everything is perfect and it's going well. And, and actually it's all falling apart. And, and even though a lot of the challenge for the couple was around their marriage, I think for everybody, it hit a particular note. So for me, it was, you know, what was going on with, you know, my job, my husband, you know, sort of the way we had been living was all coming apart. So this movie spoke to me to the point where for a period of time, I had a war room and I mm -hmm. went in there periodically and I read Bible verses and, you know, uh, uh, lean on the Lord, you know, uh, don't, or, or rather look to the Lord with your, and now I'm getting all, all emotional, but, you know, lean not on your own understanding, but follow yes. him. And that's, that's what, so it was a, it was a period of time where, you know, faith, just basically believing in God and friends, you know, sending me Bible verses and you reaching out um, made such a difference. And I don't think I've ever shared that with you. Um, but it was, I so appreciated it and it, and it got me through one of those, one of those periods of adversity. So certainly on the one hand, faith, we're talking in a religious sense. And you also mentioned, um, that I, I made a documentary, um, uh, on Alzheimer's It's called in our yes. right mind, which of course is, is taken from the Bible, the verse clothed and in our right mind. Thank God I woke up clothed in my right mind, but the documentary in our right mind, Alzheimer's and other dementias. Uh, impact on communities of mm -hmm. color, I traveled the country talking not just to people 
who were living with their, in the various stages of Alzheimer's. But I also talked to their caregivers because it was important to me because that's the part of the story that's often not addressed. And in talking to caregivers, when I would, you know, because there's anybody who's ever been a caregiver knows it is such an all-encompassing, challenging, oftentimes um, burdensome job. Mm -hmm. So I would ask yes. these caregivers, you know, what keeps you going? What sustains you? And in just about every instance, people told me their faith. Their faith in God is what got them through. So certainly there's faith in that sense. That is the flip side of adversity, having faith in a, in a higher power, a higher being spiritually, religious, uh, religiously. But then there's the faith that I think we have in ourselves. And that faith comes from, in my opinion, storytelling, the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. So, and, and in a way that's self-serving because I'm a storyteller. I mean, you know, whether, you know, I mean, what is a lawyer, but a storyteller, whether talking to the judge or their clients and certainly 25 years as a broadcast journalist, storyteller, and then I lead to do a documentary storyteller. So I'm coming at this, uh, you know, not unbiased, but stories, <laughs> <laughs> stories are a way in which, you know, it reaffirms your ability to get through situations. So, and, you know, one of the benefits of being of a certain age is that you've had a lot of experiences and a lot of adversity. And every time you go through something, um, at least for me, what I have done is basically told myself a story about myself. Well, yes, you are in a tough time right now, but do you remember the time when you went through this and you thought you would never get through it? And yet you got through it. And it's this sort of uh, a library of stories that gives you faith in yourself because you've been through it. You know, we're, we're resilient because we have been through something and you get to the other side and, you know, it prepares you for whatever that next challenge might be. So that's, that's really sort of in, in, in a nutshell when I'm talking about, when I say, you know, what, what the flip side of adversity is. It's faith, not just religious, not just spiritual, but the faith you have in you. And that comes from our stories. Stories are powerful. There's, there's, there's just no other way, way, way to put that. I have to agree with you, Renee, I, about the third episode in, we did a segment on the power of narrative mm. and Absolutely. The story we tell ourselves about ourselves, the world around us, our place in the world, even the track record of our God mm -hmm. is it, it, it grounds us when we can recall and it can guide us when we're willing to put words to where we believe we are still able to go. Absolutely. I'm curious. How did you, what did you learn from really building narrative, whether it be professional or personal? What have you learned about that process? Story is a way, I, I mean, I started off saying that it tells you about you, but story is a way to connect yourself to others. You know, you know, going back to, you know, those images of, of the caveman sitting, you know, around the campfire telling stories. It's, it's part of our history. It's part of our tradition. 
um, certainly as an African-American woman, as a black woman, stories in our uh, history are, are everything. They're, they're, they're seminal, they're, they're what connects us when, when we didn't have other things. Um, and stories create empathy. You know, when you hear somebody else's story, chances are, if you're open, you're going to hear yourself in that. You know, you're going to be able to connect. You know, in a way separate and apart from sympathy. You know, I mean, I'm 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 not big on you know being sympathetic to someone as much as just being empathetic. I don't think anybody wants to feel like they're a victim or being pitied or you know empathy. Saying, yeah, okay, you know, I hear you. I you know I may not know exactly what you're going through, but I do hear you and 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 I'm listening. I see you. Yes, that's a foundational thing I've actually been saying a lot recently. As we got on, we both kind of talked briefly about the challenges that have already hit us in 2022. And using that term of being able to see people and the power of seeing people and how that as you share, connects us, but it can also validate a person to help them continue to, to stay in and stay strong. Would you agree? Oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and in a way, I feel like, you know, what we have gone through these past few years, talk about resilience and talk about how this is whatever comes down the road the fact that we have made it and are making it through this, you know, and, you know, you you used to hear, I guess, in the first months of this, we're all in this together. Well, to a certain extent, we weren't all in this together. We knew that, you know, first responders and essential workers and, you know, but yet in a sense, we all, all are connected. And I'm, you know, uh, digressing or going off on a tangent a bit, but because we are all in this together, it drives me up a wall when I see, I mean, this pandemic is about others, you know, and how we get that message across to people, I'm not quite sure. But when you see someone, you know, saying, well, I have the right not to be vaccinated or I don't have to wear a mask or, you know, no, this is something where what you do doesn't just impact you. Mm -hmm. It impacts all of us, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and that ties in, I guess, in, 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 in some sense with empathy or or seeing yourself and others and feeling like you're that connection, the fact that we are, we are all connected. Yes. You used a story connecting us during a challenging season for you and your family. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what did you wish you had known when you were actually going through that Mm -hmm. challenge? You know, I wish I had sort of followed my, what I've just said here about listening to my story and knowing that you had been through adversity and you can make it through this too. There were times when, you know, I just, I wish that somebody could have said, you're going to get through this. You have been through worse. You know, you will undoubtedly go through other challenges. You will get through this. And there were those moments. And I guess what sustained me and what got me through is that you focus not on you, but on 
others, you know, I mean, it's, uh, and, and we can talk about this a little bit later on, but mm -hmm. when I was doing the documentary, I spent a lot of time reading a lot. And one of the books I kept going back to was Man's Search for Meaning, Dr. Viktor Frankl. And he talks about, you know, you know, he was in a concentration camp, not that my situation or any of our situations would, would compare to that, but how, if you have a purpose, that can get you through, you know? So if you have a why, to live, then, you know, sort of, you know, you can deal with any how. So my why were my girls, you know. So in those dark moments when I thought, ah, oh, maybe I won't get through this, I took myself out of myself and said, no, you have to get through this. They depend on you. They need you. And, you know, and that's something that caregivers putting the person they're caring for, you know, first and foremost, many of them told me is 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 what sustains them and is i i think so powerful but yes i wish somebody could have told me as my little earbud popped out here <laughs> if uh, somebody could have told me that yeah you're going to get through this think about what you've been through think about what you know you can do this so. and the truth that you just shared that actually when i coach individuals is foundational Connect with your why. Why are you here? Why do you need to continue to move forward? What is beyond you? And when we come back from this break, I'd like to be able to jump a little bit into how have your experiences begun to actually fuel the passion of how you are now serving others and really continuing to impact the community. So when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to continue this conversation. But during the break, if you have not had an opportunity to register for our girlfriend gathering, which will be this month, January 22nd, at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, there's an in-person option and a virtual option. Jump over to our website at www.livingstrongllc.com and grab your spot because the deadline for registration is December 19th. And if you log on now, we are only providing the discount promo during the show. So that discount promo is GFG 2022. Log in, grab your spot and use that promo discount so that we will see you in the room on January 22nd. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates. And I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also 
and author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. And we have been having a powerful conversation with Renee Chanel-Fatah. She is a lawyer, an advocate, a filmmaker, and a broadcast journalist. And she has been sharing her heart from an honest place. We were just discussing how navigating challenges have been tied to and can be supported by the narrative that we tell ourselves, as well as the faith that we stand on. And one of our listeners, Renee, shared, Daryl said, it's always challenging to deal with life challenges, but it had to have been more difficult to have to have gone through that in the spotlight. Mm. Do you have any response to Dale? Yeah, thank you so much for that. And thank you for understanding that. Yeah, um, it was very hard. I, I will tell you very honestly, um, you know, when I found out, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, I was going to be leaving the station that I'd worked at for 25 years. Um, that night, I saw myself on the evening news, you know, the broadcast news. And then it was, you know, after that, I'm like, okay, Renee, you have to protect you. You have to protect your girls. So I didn't watch TV. I didn't read newspapers. I know people think I lie about that, but I knew that to go through this process, I had to, as much as possible, remove myself from it. And I, and I think the message in that for everyone is, you know, because I mean, people for the most part aren't on TV and don't have, you know, what's going on being played across, across the media. But I think the message there is you have to do what you need to do to protect you and those close to you. And um, that, that has to be the priority. So, you know, thank you for you know, asking that question, but I really did sort of isolate myself. So, so much that happened, I just was not aware of, which is not easy given social media. And it was also made challenging because my girls, they did not do that, you know, so having to, you know, navigate that with them. But again, you know, you can't, 
I guess to a certain extent, you can't control outside what's happening, outside circumstances. All you can do is control what you can do. So that, so that was my way to control that situation. I'm going to remove myself. Whatever's being said, whatever's happening, can't stop that. Can it? But I don't have to, you know, engage with it. So, but what? But what a wonderful, empathetic question. Thank you. Yes, I think about how that statement of um, prioritizing your own um, self-protection and recognizing that if, if you're going to survive and move through this, there's some element in which I need to do what's necessary for me to be protected and for my family to be protected. I have to honestly uh, say that that's something that I've had to tell myself in this season and we talked about how there's so much going on. And in some respects, there's certain things that I've just had to shut off so that I can protect my own mental and emotional, and it, even in some cases, spiritual health, in order for me to continue to stand up and move forward. I'm I'm wondering how you, in in this season, in the middle of so much, how are you continuing to take care of yourself and move forward, especially when you're doing such powerful community and equity work? You know, well, actually, I was going to ask you for advice on how you do that. <laughs> how do you navigate through these times? So I'm not, I'm not sure I've got the answer on that one. But no, you know what? I think to a certain extent, because we've been through so much, um, I've learned that you can't do everything. You can't make everyone happy. You're not always going to hit it out of the park. You can't keep a happy face all the time. Um, you know, just that's that's a burden. <laughs> you know, and there, you know, right now you just can't carry everything. You know, so and to a certain extent, you know, I mean, I I talk about my girls and you know making them a priority, but even there. I've had to say, okay, you know, I have to be selfish. You know, I have to focus on me because that old saying, you you can't take care of anybody else if you don't take care of yourself. So really just being very deliberate and intentional, not going to be liked by everybody, not going to always do a great job, not going to have the smile on my face all the time. Sometimes I just feel really, you know, not great and, and, and be okay with that. You know, just, just be okay with it. Giving yourself that grace. We don't have to be on all the time. I think sometimes, especially we as women, sometimes that that facade, that Mm -hmm. mask, um, that I have to be a certain way uh, can be, as you shared, absolutely exhausting. I'm curious, how does what you're currently doing connect with this whole conversation of the flip side of adversity. Absolutely. Let me back up a little bit into how I sort of got into what, to what I'm doing now. You know, I mean, I, I grew up wanting to be a lawyer, you know, grew up in the heyday of the civil rights movement. The way you made a difference in black folks' life was through the law. So I was set on being a lawyer, you know, in, in college, I had just about every internship you could find. I went right from college to law school. But somehow by the time 
I got out of law school, I had lost sight of why I had wanted to be a lawyer. You know, I wanted to be a civil rights lawyer. I saw myself, you know, going off working at you know legal defense fund. But it was the 80s, and I was at a, a, a law school where I did well. So the big firms came, and I had lots of student loans. So anyway, so instead of like going off and doing good, I ended up uh, on Wall Street uh, practicing commercial litigation. So, you know, it just was not satisfying because it wasn't what I had wanted to do. So I, I jumped ship. I went back to school and, you know, became a journalist. And then, you know, left the, the, the TV, you know, well, became a journalist, moved around five cities in four years, you know, here in Philadelphia for 25 years, left the station, did the documentary. And as I was doing the documentary, one of my friends from college was on the board of an organization called Philadelphia Lawyers for Social Equity. And they were looking to do videos on people who were going through the pardon process. These were people who, you know, had done something in their past, five years ago, 10 years ago, had gotten out, hadn't had any more problems with the law, but yet were still being held back by that criminal record from you know, job opportunities, um, education opportunities, you know, housing opportunities. So a pardon is a way to get rid of that record. So this organization is focused on that, working with people who have state 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 convictions. So they wanted to tell the stories of some of these people who are in the various stages of the pardon process. So my friend asked me if I would be willing to volunteer to do the videos. So I'm like, you know, sure, that's that's what I do, storytelling. So it's about eight or nine people. And I was so moved by these stories, Sandra, because these were people who at one point in their life had really been through a tough time and had paid that price, had gone to prison, had served their sentence, and were still being held back. So I was moved, but then I also got angry. You know, I was like, this is unfair. This goes against the whole notion of forgiveness and redemption. So, um, so I did the videos, and then they asked me, well, would you like to join the board? And I'm like, of course, I believe in this organization. And then... <laughs> I um I was asked, well, would you like to come on staff as the executive director? First, come on as deputy executive director. And if you don't destroy the organization in a period of time, because <laughs> you have no experience doing this. I mean, you know, I'm, I sit in front of a, a teleprompter and read script. I don't know about budgets and, you know, hiring and all that. But, you know, they had faith in me and I believed in the mission. So that's actually how mm -hmm. I got to Philadelphia Lawyers for Social Equity. And we do pardons and expungements for people who have criminal records, state criminal records. Um, you know, when people think of a pardon, they usually think of, you know, a Bill Clinton or a Donald Trump giving like their cronies. Mm -hmm. if, that's that's the federal system. That's not the state system. We're talking about the state system where you have to file an application in the Board of Pardons and it's ruled on by ultimately by by the governor. It's 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 that kind of administrative process. So. That is what I'm doing now. And the people that I am trying to reach are people who really, you know, they're, they're our neighbors. They're people who've been out. They're your friends. You go to church with folks with criminal records. You know, one in three people have a criminal record. Now, a criminal record is anything from an arrest all the way to a conviction. But these are things that are still, with one click of the button, thanks to, you know, the internet, will pop up and will keep people from yes. job opportunities. You know, I, I was shocked to see where, you know, somebody with a marijuana conviction could be kept from getting a federal student loan. I mean, it just, you know, the system is so... 
So if there's something in the law that allows us to get rid of that record, and there is through a pardon or expungement, then that sort of brought me back to what I originally as a child wanted to do of working, you know, in civil rights, social justice. So I am the poster child for it is never too late. I'm having my 40th year law school reunion in May. So, you know, it took me 40 years to get to this point. But it just, you know, life has a way, God's hand has a way of putting you where you need to be. And this is mm -hmm. where I need to be. I'm working with a group of young, um, you know, attorneys and, you know, uh, advocates and activists. And it's just really, really rewarding. So that's. Wow. You know, and. You summed up everything that you talked about in the beginning of the show connect to your why, your purpose outside of yourself, having empathy, the second chance, be, all of that, it feels like it has come um, to a moment now where you're really living out something that is bigger than yourself and making far-reaching impacts one person at a time. What is something that you wish people understood, especially in the season that we're in now, in the middle of a pandemic, what is something that you wish or that you're really still passionate about, um, whether it be with the social equity um, group or something else? Oh, gosh, Virja. Um, let me think about that. You know, I, I guess what I was saying about us all being connected, uh, even though you know we are we're in different positions, different places. This is affecting all of us in different ways. Um, that you know we will get through this. I you know I I I have a lifetime of you know of proof, a track record. You know you do get through adversity. You do get through challenges. Um, but we have to learn from it. You know. Um, in doing the documentary, um, Alzheimer's uh, Disparate Impact in Communities of Color, I immersed myself in learning about health disparities. And, you know, it is such a mistake to say, well, black people and brown people, you know, get Alzheimer's at a greater risk because they're black and brown. No, that has nothing to do with it. It's, it's the systemic inequalities where you don't have access to the same type of health care, which in enables you to get an early diagnosis. It's that, you know, you have systemic inequality where we live, or, you know, where, where we play, the food we eat, all of these things contribute. And those are the same factors that have come to play in this pandemic. So if we don't learn something from this, you know, if we don't address some of these inequalities, um, you know, then, then shame on us. You know, so maybe that's what we need. I mean, you know, we've seen things, you know, it, it was almost a cliche to hear, you know, the, the pandemic laid bare the inequalities, but it truly, I mean, they've been there. And if you talk to public health experts, they've been talking about this forever. And I learned about it through doing the documentary, but we've got to do something. We've got, we can't allow this, this, this to continue. And, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's the, the world we're leaving to our children you know, yes. that, you know, should, that gets back to the why, why we have to focus on this. You know. I know that you speak to community groups, to congregations. 
what would you begin to advise those who are in the community? They are serving on the front lines. They are working in and through marginalized um, populations, communities. What would you advise or provide guidance for? I think we need to have more conversations about subjects that are uncomfortable talking about. I mean, that's why I tackled the Alzheimer's uh, subject in a way, because there was stigma and there was shame surrounding it, even though we all have family members who have, I, I'm willing to bet, you know, somebody has some form of dementia, but we don't talk about it. Um, much in the same way, people with criminal records, criminal record history, there is a stigma, there is a shame. So, you know, people who are in church, if, if you believe what, you know, the Bible tells you, it is about forgiveness. It is about helping and redemption and reaching out. So I, you know, I would be real, you know, we need to get real here. You know? Again, circling back to having some tough conversations and, um, you know, being empathetic. Yes. Having tough conversations. I actually was just having um, that dialogue with a, a group of colleagues that if we could get to a place where even if we didn't have the same perspective, we could sit at the table and begin to learn how to listen, wow. not just debate, not just try to get our agenda forward or to, to fight for the fact that I'm right, but at least get to the table to learn how to actually listen, mm. to hear one another. And I think that also speaks back to what you shared earlier in being able to see one another. Mm -hmm. If I can see you, then I could potentially begin to hear you even better or even clearer. What are your thoughts on that? Oh my gosh, Virgil, what you said is so powerful. The best always bringing it back to storytelling and narrative, but the best storytellers are those people who listen. And there is not enough, just what you said, just listening, just getting to the table and not having to make the point. But let me hear what somebody else is saying. I, you know, I don't know how we get to that point, but it is fundamental. We don't listen to others. We're in rooms uh, with people who think the same way we do. And, you know, we watch TV when people feedback what we want to hear. You know, we've got to um, do a better job of listening. You are absolutely, I, there's nothing I can add to that because that, that is so fundamental. That is such a part, part of it. I feel like we're talking about breaking outside of those like me circles yes. and being brave enough to actually step out and uh, reach out a hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know what, Renee, exactly. we are at another break. I can't believe yeah. how fast this oh is going God. by. <laughs> But this conversation has been rich and I hope that you have been enjoying it as much as Absolutely. I personally am. Absolutely. So listeners, 
We're going to take another commercial break. And after this break, we'll come back. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the film, um, your takeaways from that, and then also what you feel people should be doing actively as we're still fighting a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear, what would you tell your younger self? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you time to think about that, oh, Renee. Okay. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veardra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. We were just diving into talking about 
being able to sit at the table, step outside of the like me circle and begin to see one another more clearly and open our ears, putting our agendas down and being willing to get to a place where we're lifting the veil of shame. We are coming out to actually uh, talk about solutions and not just continuing to hide behind uh, stereotypes or judgment, but actually begin to collectively come together and do something about the inequities that are especially plaguing marginalized groups. Renee, I know that you've mentioned the film a couple of times and, and you did share that you learned a great deal from the caregivers. You unpacked the fact that there's no stigma behind talking about Alzheimer's or different phases or dimensions of dementia. Were there any other key takeaways or learnings that you had from the film? Uh, thank you so much, Vandra. You know, it was really one of the best, most impactful experiences I've, I've had putting together this film because it was all on me. You know, if it, you talk to journalists and broadcast journalists, reporters, you know, we all have inside us this desire to do a documentary because you get to tell the story the way you want to tell it for longer than a minute 30. And so I spent, I guess, about two and a half years working on this. And while, you know, I, I wanted to focus on people um, living with this, this, this challenging, uh, debilitating, fatal disease, uh, you know, so it, was, so it was very heavy from going from that perspective and talking to caregivers. And, you know, that, that was very weighty, even though I found, you know, purpose and inspiration from the commitment that they had. But still, it is a tough, tough job. But in addition to all of that, it was real important to me to impart a sense of hope that not just look at this as doom and gloom, it's Alzheimer's, there are no cures, we don't want to talk about it, end of story. That that would have served no purpose. And also it's it wasn't true. So what I discovered and what I hoped I was able to convey is that there are a lot of strengths in our communities circled, focused on uh, the faith-based institutions, our churches, and our, our civic organizations, our, our, our service organizations. I mean, I, you know, did not, until I really did the research, didn't really have an appreciation for our, our, our divine nine and the links and the power that these are. I mean, I always sort of, and I know this sounds terrible because I just recently rejoined my links chapter, Pintown Links, but I always saw it as sort of, uh, fluffy and not really about anything. And that's not the case at all. Some of the powerful things that are happening in our communities in terms of getting the word out and mobilizing people are coming from the service connection that our divine nine have and the links and, you know, our churches, my God, there is no more trusted institution in our community than the church, you know, whether it be the church or a mosque, you know, so, so it was really important to focus on that and to focus on the strength of families. I mean, we told the story of a lot of families in here and how they were helping one another. So that was important to get across. And then it was also important to just get across the fact that while there isn't a cure for Alzheimer's, there mm -hmm. are things we can do. 
and it goes to lifestyle. The same sorts of things you do to protect your heart are the same things you do to protect your brain. So eating right, exercise, diet. This flat earphone just does not want to stay in. I have big ears and it just won't stay in. Let's see if I can <laughs> Um, you know, there, there are things we can do. It certainly won't cure dementia, but evidence shows that it can slow it and getting an early diagnosis is all a part of it. So it was real important to share that information. And what's been gratifying is that the new health and human services secretary, Javier Becerra, has made that his platform, that there are things we can do to address Alzheimer's and dementia through lifestyle changes. So, you know, and I made the documentary right before COVID. We had about five screenings and then we shut down. So I'm now starting to think about ways in which, you know, I can get this film out to more people. Because again, a big part of it was health disparities. And we see the relevance and the impact of health disparities around COVID. So, you know, but... Um, so those, those, those are some of the takeaways, but it really was a, a very emotional re and yet rewarding um, experience, journey. As I listened to how you acknowledge the, the, the heaviness of the topic, mm. but if we can get beyond that and recognize that there is hope, yes. and when you said, not only hope, but there is strength within the community. Yes. And for all of my Delta sisters, as we are celebrating Founders Day today and 109 years of legacy, recognizing that there is power when we within the community, not necessarily needing others, although it's Absolutely. wonderful to create collaboration, but there is strength within the community that we can tap into and continue to move forward with proper information, with understanding of prevention and challenging one another for a shift and change in lifestyle. It, that just completely resonated with my soul. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And you know, you mentioned the Deltas. In the film, um, we focused um, at great length on Orion Reed's story. And Orion is a Delta. And you know, Orion was, you know, uh, the, the leading, you know, consumer reporter in Philadelphia. She was a mentor to me when I came to the station. She was an advocate for Alzheimer's and then because of her family history. And then all these years later for Orion to receive a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, but still want to share her story because she felt it was a way to make, still make an impact, still make a contribution. But she's a Delta and she, and she would want me to make that very clear. <laughs> <laughs> Legacy. I feel yes. like that's been an ongoing theme from the beginning of this conversation all the way through in, in recognizing that regardless of the adversity, and we have all in different ways over the past two years, and even those who have been experiencing inequity even before the pandemic, we all in different stages in our lives go through adversity. But again, if we can tap into what is bigger than ourselves Absolutely. and find purpose in that, we are coming up on our last few minutes. I cannot no. believe it, Renee. Yes, <laughs> we are literally so down to our last oh few gosh. minutes. 
I am dying to know mm-hmm. with everything that you have learned, the credentials, the experiences, and your wisdom, what would you tell your younger self? I, you know, I did my homework. So I looked at your website, Renationalfata and uh, dot com and there are there's a gallery of pictures <laughs> of you from very early on. You're that bright, shiny young face all the oh, way gosh, through. I remember that girl. Yes. A long time ago. <laughs> what would you tell your younger self? And I'm hoping generation um the millennials and generation Z who are listening could glean from, what would you tell your younger self? I am glad you said that at the end, because I'm really thinking about my girls as the, you know, one's going off to vet school, one's going off to college. And this is not really a profound statement. Um, But I look back to the way I was in college and I almost feel like the college experience was wasted on me. Now it was, I had a great time. I, you know, had all sorts of great relationships and friendships and way too many boyfriends, but I did not focus on my studies. And like I said, that, that sounds like a mother that's talking, but if I had, if I could speak to my young self who was getting ready to go off the phone, I would be take advantage. There's so, I feel like I'm now trying to learn all those things that I really should have been learning in college and it was there and I was sleeping through classes and thinking about the boyfriend and that, you know. So it would be take advantage of learning. Education is fundamental, it's key. There's nothing more empowering or powerful. Um, so that's it. I, you know, get serious, learn, you know, take advantage of every situation that you're in and soak up as 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 much as you can. I look back at my four years in college and think, ah, oh, you know, it's a good thing college doesn't cost, didn't cost then what it costs now. Oh yes. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. But um, I'm I'm sorry. But but yeah, I have to be honest, Renee. I feel like you're you're talking to me as well because as I looked at your website, you have a blog there where you said um, you acknowledge that it's it's important for us to keep learning. And if we can continue to invest in our stretching and our growing, there's an opportunity for us, regardless of what generation you're in, for you to make an impact if you are willing to continue to dig deeper in what you know, what you don't know, and what you want to know. Make that investment. Yes, yes. Well, Renee, we have come to the end of our time. Thank you so much again. I just can't continue to thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. Thank you. I so, I was so nervous about this. It's like, what are we going to talk about for an hour? And it flew. (laughs) And that's because of you. That truly, I just felt like, like like I told you, I was sitting here with a good friend like you are, but it just, it did my heart good. This this is turning 2022 around for me now because it's been bumpy. This is I, it has been bumpy. This it is has been bumpy. I have to agree. It has been bumpy. Well, thank you, listeners, for logging in. It is always a pleasure that you would spend this hour with us. And we hope that what we've shared helps you realize that living strong is the flip side 
of adversity. And each one of us, as we look to the opportunity to leave legacy, you have an opportunity to do more. There is more in you. So keep going. Don't quit. Stay in it. I hope that you will join us again next week. Same time, same place. Thank you so much for being a part of this Flipside Conversation. Have a great one. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.